Welcome to the Marketing AI SparkCast, the go-to podcast where we explore the exciting intersection of artificial intelligence and marketing. Our aim is to spark your curiosity and inspire you to infuse your marketing with AI. Join Abby Varma, a B2B marketing leader, as he navigates you through this dynamic and ever-evolving landscape where technology meets creativity. All right. Hello, everybody. We have a fun, fun episode today with an amazing guest whom I'm going to introduce to you guys in just a minute. It should cover, today's episode should cover the key topics on every marketer's minds these days. Should I embrace AI and why? Can't believe that's still a question, but that is. How should I go about it? We use ChatGPT for ideation and first drafts and of content. So I guess we're an AI-enabled team, right? What AI should I try? You know, I see AI tools all the time coming at me from everywhere. How do I go, you know, sort of parsing those things out? So these are the type of questions that marketers have these days. And we're going to try and unpack all this stuff today and more. Uh, And with us, we have a very special guest. We have Austin Distel from Jasper AI. Austin, hello. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's going to be a good episode. We'll talk all things AI and marketing. Absolutely. Excited about that. And to our listeners, unless you've been living under a rock and you're in marketing and you've not heard of Jasper, uh, I'm going to give a little one-liner and then Austin, feel free to elaborate. But Jasper is like an AI co-pilot for marketing teams. And it's really meant to help marketing teams achieve high quality, brand compliant, accelerated campaigns, content, SEO, and social projects to name a few. That's what Jasper, if you have not checked it out, you know, go to jasper.ai. And Austin himself is, you know, Austin, you're a lot of things. You're AI powered marketer. I love your email signature, AI guy. You're an investor, you're a speaker on all topics AI, and you were on Jasper's founding team, um, you know, heading up marketing when Jasper was launched in 2021. So briefly tell us about yourself, your journey to Jasper, and I hope my introduction to Jasper was correct, but feel free to augment. Yeah, you know, it's awesome that Jasper's over the last about three years um, now, as of January 2024, uh, has really had an awesome trajectory. I've been with the founding team for a few years. I was technically the first employee and got Jasper off the ground, taking it from zero to 1.5 billion in valuation in just 18 months. Wow. Um, really cool to see the community build kind of this like raving fan base. And it's, it's really like a bottom up approach where the product has been built by the people. So as marketers, marketers ourselves in our past lives, we uh, ran our own agencies and eventually got into creating software for marketing agencies and marketing brand owners. And over the past few years, Jasper's obviously been our biggest success and now like supporting over a hundred thousand companies really focused on helping enterprise teams uh-huh. create great content, high quality, factually accurate on brand across everybody in their organization and a secured platform. So one that doesn't learn, you know, and leak your data into the large language model. Mm-hmm. And so you're in a secured place there. It has governance and compliance and all the things that big brands care about. 
And so it's, it's also really been cool to help build this ecosystem of brands and agencies together using AI in a platform. So really just, this has been built up over the years and, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool to see where Jasper has grown into. Awesome. That's amazing. I mean, it, it is mind boggling how fast it has become kind of a household name in the world of marketing and AI. And talk to me a little bit about how you guys even came up with the idea, because this is all new territory. I feel like kind of AI years are like dog years, even though you guys have been around since 2021. Um, and we just recently celebrated the one year anniversary for ChatGPT, or well, birthday, should I say, for ChatGPT. It feels like the velocity and the volume of information is in, intense and insane. But to me, how did the idea come about? I'd love to understand that a little bit. Yeah, so we roll back time to 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, Christmas break around that time. We are looking to pivot our startup called Proof. And at that time, we had gone through Y Combinator. And so we had some connections there. Uh, and we were like looking for over break, how do we just take a breath and start playing with technology and seeing what new ideas could come up. And so through YC, we got access to OpenAI's API uh -huh. and we were teaching it, like, like we were trying to figure out how to do Facebook ads. Well, we already knew how to do Facebook ads really well. Uh -huh. Like how can we teach this OpenAI API how to mimic our style of writing Facebook ads? And so we had a community that we had built of marketers on direct response advertising, email copy, landing page uh, collaboration on like doing reviews for each other. And so we're like, we're like, what if we taught AI how to write a great ad based on the frameworks of the copywriter's handbook and David Ogilvy's recommendations and all of uh, you nice. know all of the marketers in the, in the crowd would nerd out on you know if you got all of your best AB tests in a room and you said, hey, AI, AI, figure out what combinations of these frameworks um, work. And then we started teaching and started doing really good copywriting. So it started from there. And then the community, we let them, you know, test it out. And we're like, hey, like we build a product around this. And we got a bunch of people to say yes. And within, you know, uh, the first 90 days, it got up to like a million dollar business. Wow. So it, it was uh, like very much from community led teaching it how to, you know, just kind of check off some tasks of marketing uh, marketers work every day. And uh -huh. that kind of expanded. It went from Facebook ads to Amazon listing copywriting mm -hmm. to email sequences to landing page headlines and product descriptions, eventually to long form content. So we acquired a couple companies and eventually got some technology that allowed us to do SEO optimized content and long form um, articles, press uh -huh. releases, and the use cases kept expanding as more users poured in, we heard their feedback and we just built what the people wanted. Right. And within um, uh, the end of 18 months, um, the, the number of users and the breadth of use cases in the scope in which Jasper could help with uh, really differentiated Jasper from any other AI tool. And we ended up raising a $125 million Series A uh, at a $1.5 valuation. Wow. And 
expanded the team. Um, we're, we're all remote, but we have headquarters in Austin and Salt Lake City. Nice. Wow. So was that success sort of catch you guys off guard? Because, I mean, obviously you guys were serial entrepreneurs by that time. You'd already done a few things. But was this one of those things where you guys woke up and you're like, whoa, like what the hell happened? It was definitely like a quantum shift. It's one of those that is um, like not one plus one. It's not two times two. It is literally like an exponent quantum jump. Yeah. In uh, what you would ever deem called like success. I would say it feels like overnight, but you know, you look at the team and everybody, you know, kind of building on everybody's expertise. You look at the trust in the community, you look at the ideas and it's just like right timing, right place, right team, all just perfectly organized with a, a huge sprinkle of luck. Um, wow. Yeah. So it, it, it's uh, like humbly, I don't think that we could just recreate it all over again. It's like catching lightning in a bottle, yep. but um, you know, it's like all the pieces got organized perfectly and um, we got to ride the wave. And even the seven people on the founding team that like got it going uh -huh. um, same, same team that was working on the other startup. And then, you know, obviously we've added 150 people since then that have taken it and, and ran wow. um, to make it what it is today. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. And, um, we call ourselves the six foot tall, two year old in, in a joking manner, <laughs> yes. uh, because, you know, we, we look like we're, uh, this huge, you know, mature company, uh, but yet we're only now three years old. Um, and so, uh, pretty, pretty cool to just kind of be on this journey and, and humble to be surrounded by incredibly smart people every day. That's awesome. That's an amazing story. So speaking of amazing stories, I love good name stories. So to me, why Jasper and how did Jasper come about? And I read somewhere there's sort of a Disney angle to it as well. So tell us all about it. Yeah. So uh, for, for all you all entrepreneurs out there that have ever chosen a name for your business, I think that you'll like this story. When launching Jasper, as you know it today, it all was kind of an experiment to see and test the market and see if they liked what we, you know, a small version of what we built. Uh -huh. um, and so you don't want to go too hard with like spending time building the perfect name and branding and all of that. Um, and so we were just like looking at the domain list that we've been sitting on, kind of a collector of domains and conversion.ai is something I think Dave, Chris, and JP bought in. 2017 or something. And uh, all of us, we have this vault and we're like, one day we'll be able to use this. Uh, and, and the day had come where it just kind of felt like, hey, we're teaching AI how to do conversion optimization. And so, uh, yeah, it, it worked as a placeholder. We knew it wasn't like the long-term business. Some horrible trade names like Con AI came out of it, like trying to shorten it. <laughs> Turns out people like have a hard time spelling conversion and so like misspelling a direct search name, all of that. So it's just like, it wasn't a fit. Um, and the community kind of came up with this pet name for it. Hey, I'm going to get J Jarvis to write my ads for me. Turns out Disney named Iron Man's uh, AI named Jarvis. Uh -huh. So within like four months after we had changed our name to Jarvis, uh, we got a big old cease and desist from Marvel. 
And they said, you got to change this. And they gave all of these, like just a scary amount of evidence that we were messing up their brand name and they, they wanted, they wanted us to close business. Well, uh, clearly we're not going to spend our time fighting the big giant Marvel. And so we're like, yeah, all right, we're going to just change it. <laughs> and, uh, so we had a little poll in our Slack channel and we said, Hey, uh, we're looking for a, a easy to say, easy to spell name still kind of has the essence of a Butler or an assistant, something that's huh. doesn't feel like it's here to be a takeover or a replacement for humans or to feel like it's scary, uh-huh. but more like AI that's an assistant that's uh, Butler style. And so, um, and we still wanted that strong J to kind of carry on any kind of brand equity that we had. Uh-huh. So uh, one of the guys' na- middle names was Jasper. And so we're like, this is perfect. And, and we were able to get the domain. And it took me, I, I'll be honest, it took me like, nine months to repair the seo damage there wow. um but uh we had over a hundred thousand backlinks to jarvis.ai um that we had to repair but we got we got 80 percent of it there and and uh today it's a blip in our history and so the lesson the punchline is the name doesn't matter that much we're we're over a billion dollar company we've had three names in three years like yeah. It's fine, y'all. You don't have to get the perfect name the first time. I wouldn't recommend it. Right. I wouldn't recommend going and just going for any name, but uh, it, it's not going to kill your business to, to change names. Cool. That is such an interesting story. And in terms of naming AI, right, where the industry seems to really like going for human names, right? And before... The advent of ChatGPT, even before that, there was Watson from IBM and Siri and Alexa and Einstein from Salesforce and whatnot. And now we've got, you know, Bard and Claude and Ernie from Baidu and so on and so forth. Uh, And these are all sort of names, all people names. And apart from sort of the ease of reference, no different than like the way you guys were saying, hey, Jarvis is going to do this back in the day. From a psychological standpoint, do you really think that giving AI human names makes them makes AI feel less scary or friendlier and more approachable with audiences who may be who may be leveraging it? Yeah, you know, I think that probably all those big companies you just named had a similar thought process as I did. Um, when I was CMO for the first like two years, basically I was thinking how to differentiate our AI mm-hmm. from a crowded marketplace. And, you know, again, we started a year and a half before ChatGPT. That's when everybody kind of got wind of AI. So before that moment, Jasper uh, felt like in companies, it was your secret weapon. Uh-huh. Uh, as one of our clients, iHeartMedia, uh, said, it's like having a mouse in your pocket that whispers the perfect thing to say. And, um, you know, now today everybody uses chat or any other AI tool. Hopefully you're using Jasper. Um, and I think when we look at the ecosystem, if you're just any other AI without a brand, you're going to get lost in the noise. Mm-hmm. And I think having it personified, um, helps with the branding and 
trademarking. Obviously, as Marvel pointed out, like a name is very important. Uh-huh. And when you can own your name, you can protect that name. Um, it means something. And it it's more than just AI. You can give it a personality and uh, a niche to own. And what I liked doing um, is giving it a personality and a persona to kind of act as uh you know, being playful. And I even got uh, an ex Pixar designer to generate uh, a likeness for Jarvis at the time uh, to create this character uh, like a, like a, um, what was that word dot clippy? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like giving it a character though. um, And I I just think that it, it makes the brand come alive. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know that's that's um, very interesting you say that because I was talking to somebody and you know ChatGPT sort of stands out in the names of all all the human names and then you know one makes you think on if there is a some sort of a psychological threshold in in the way people react to human named AI. Um, obviously, like you said, advantage of brand and personality and all those sort of things from a marketing standpoint, um, but just a interesting kind of name mind trick and see how people deal with all that stuff. So I'm going to switch gears and to our uh, listeners, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Austin U. So distill.com, which is D-I-S-T-E-L.com, which is your website. Um, I'm going to read uh, a, a phrase from that website or a sentence from that website, which says, I teach marketing teams how to effectively use AI in their daily work. So firstly, speaking of domains, a great job on snagging that domain name. Uh, and But tell us about your approach. Like, how do you do that? How do you get marketing teams to begin effectively using AI and forget effectively even thinking about it? Because frankly, uh, yes, a lot of people are exposed to ChatGPT, but it is still early days in AI world, especially within marketing. People are using it for ideation and first drafts, like I mentioned it before, but what is your approach to helping marketing teams do that? Yeah. So we uh, surveyed a thousand marketers and asked them a whole bunch of questions about AI, how they use it, where they want to use it. What are they scared of? Why don't they use it? Or why do they use it? Long list. And a, one, one interesting fact is that only 18% of marketers have um, graduated from the experimental phase Hmm. and to the uh, phase where they're starting to see uh, outcomes um, and efficiencies from using AI. So a lot of them are still playing with it. It's not a daily thing that they use. It's just something that they're toying around with. That's out of five people, four of them are still in the experimental phase. That's crazy. Wow. Uh, The next phase would be once you have uh, your own, self-competency, you start recruiting your teammates and you start saying, hey, I think that organizationally throughout our team, if we were all using this, we'd all have our jobs be be more effective in our jobs every day, get better outcomes and save time. Whether you want to end work early, not have to work on the weekends, or you want to be able to get more done in your day, uh-huh. like AI can help you do all of those things. Um, but it, it takes somebody to champion that in an organization. Um, so this is like the campaigner type, uh-huh. the personality that rallies folks around something. 
uh, it often at that phase, uh, an AI council is born. Uh-huh. So this is kind of a round table of, of a community internally in an organization where everybody figures out the responsible and ethical use guidelines on how your company is going to approach using AI. You're going to often during this phase, figure out what are the primary use cases that we find either inefficiencies in, repetitiveness, monotonous tasks. Um, we need a backfill, a person's role. Uh, maybe I'm wearing too many hats uh, and I just need to maybe have AI help me with some of the things that are not my core competency. There's all of these like ways to think about where AI fits into the daily tasks of a company. Uh-huh. Um, I really narrow in on the marketing team. Uh, and then there's the third phase where now that you have a bunch of people on board using the tool, you start to see uh, business outcomes being driven, uh-huh. more revenue, more leads, more signups, uh, savings, cost savings, uh, efficiencies, um, whether that's like a, a cost efficiency per project, reduced number of hours spent, um, maybe uh, time that was logged um, by others. And then there's revenue um, boost. Uh-huh. We're seeing higher performance on our campaigns after the copy uh, generated uh, with AI and that kind of stuff. So that's level three. At that point, you're starting to tell your board of directors, you're telling your uh, finance uh, CFO and that team like, hey, here's the, we're backing up our investment in AI and showing an ROI on uh-huh. AI. Uh-huh. So those are the three phases. And remember, four out of five people are not there yet. Yeah. And so really where I help, whether I'm speaking at a conference uh, or I'm doing an, a summit, an online summit, or I'm going to a team offsite, um, you know, I really walk them through kind of the, the base layer, the foundations of what you need to know about AI, how it works. And then when I start hearing what are the needs, we can address like the best approaches. And one of the things about AI right now is there's so many tools in the tool belt uh-huh. and there's so many ways that you could use the same tool for different things. So the imagination is the, the limitation. Mm-hmm. And, um, once you understand how to do one thing, then it'll be on you to get creative and say, oh, I can use it for all these other things too. Very cool. Um, you almost answered my next question, but I'm going to ask, ask it anyway. So during the course of when I talk to CMOs or marketing leaders who will reach out to me and ask me about helping them with uh, adoption, or could it just be a coffee? Right. My first question is why, why do you, what made you think about it? in an attempt for me to understand their, you know, internal motivations and that sort of stuff. And honestly, they all sort of struggle with it. They really struggle with because everyone else is doing it or we don't want to be left behind. It's a lot of that. I don't think people are thinking about ROI. I think there's definitely efficiency, recognition of that, that that is a natural outcome of that. But some of the other things that you mentioned was is quite insightful because I know that not a lot of people are thinking about ROI and that's going to increase suddenly start impacting top true top line. So what is how how do you answer that if somebody was to ask you that hey Austin give me 
top three to five reasons and why I should incorporate AI into into marketing, um, into my marketing organization. What's your, how do you articulate that? Yeah. So again, every business is a little bit different on what your needs are. So I can give a couple examples um, and I'll use our customers as our examples. So we're kind of keeping it real here. Okay. Um, let's say that, and I'm, I won't reveal names because these are all enterprise companies, but you can use your imagination. So imagine that you are a uh, media uh, publisher that has millions of people visit your website every day to get news and entertainment. And you have thousands of writers that are contributing to your posts, contributing posts to uh, your your uh, website. Now, there might be uh, style guides that you want everybody to uh, comply to. Say it like this and not like this. Uh, do's and don'ts. Uh, and every single post needs a round of review. And so what if you could just one time set up a style guide and know that the goal of these posts is uh, for readership to get repeat visitors back, to read that post and see value from it, to stand out with original content, to rank for SEO, and then um, ultimately like to drive maybe revenue. Huh. Uh, so one... Jazz, AI can help you write faster. And so you can get that first draft done faster. It can help you ideate either breakthrough writer's block to get that going. Or as many of us, we have the good start and then we get stuck in the middle and we have that hump in the middle of our work that we need to cross over uh -huh. and uh, figure out the direction. I personally love it for research. So I'm researching an audience or a topic, and maybe this is something I used to do on Google, and now I'm using AI to curate all of its knowledge about a topic, and it's read all those forums. It's read uh, just deep information, not just surface information, uh -huh. and so now I'm able to tap into that. I'm able to inquire, double-click into information, and, and really get the the golden nuggets I need for my post. And then at that point I run it. And this is now specifically in Jasper. So we have a feature of style guide and brand voice. So uh, this media publisher uh, has set that up on what their standards of writing are. Uh -huh. And now all of the writers, their first draft gets scanned. All of the things that are off brand get highlighted. Wow. And it says, would you like to correct apply all changes. And now instantly that article complies with the style guides of the media publisher That's amazing. that reduced an entire layer of review for compliance. Secondly, then we have a content score and you can do SEO optimizations all in app and you can do review collaboration with your teammates. So everybody can have visibility and oversight onto that article. And you can see like Kanban boards, all of that. So it's all like in a, in a one place where the, the reduction of time uh -huh. for review cycles is dramatic. And you're able to, as a manager, have oversight on the pipeline of content, 
know that it's meeting the style guide parameters, huh. have confidence that it's going to perform, and you can see where it is, um, if it's on time, if it needs to review what the status is. Uh, and then you can end up publishing the WordPress and Webflow and things like that from within Jasper. So that whole process, we just want to talk about time efficiencies. Right. None of that was talking about generating content. That was all about reviewing content. And that's just one major use case. But if you think about that now across thousands of writers, the time savings for an organization is insane. Wow. And so do you think there's any metrics or KPIs that may be crucial for organizations to sort of measure and benchmark their, the, the value that they're extracting from AI marketing. Well, I mean, one easy one is that, uh, start a timer. How long does it take your writer to go from concept to published? Uh -huh. And then if they could track their milestones along the way, do the, do these writers have problems coming up with new ideas and pipelining a whole bunch of content to meet your roadmap? So if you have a keyword plan, What's the keyword plan for SEO? What are all the articles to map up to that keyword plan? So one is just coming up with ideas. Two, going from idea to draft, then draft to ready for publish. Uh -huh. um, so all three of those, those are like big milestones in the content journey. Uh, and, and right now I'm literally just talking about one use cases, SEO. Yeah. Um, we, we can go into so many other ones too, but I mean, think about, Time savings alone. Yeah. Secondly, maybe do an A-B test and say, hey, we're going to do 10 posts that are AI assisted, 10 posts that we are intentionally not going to use AI for any piece of this entire workflow. Match the performance, match the trade-off of time, match and see if there's a difference in ranking and if there's a difference in time. Weigh it out. And you, I would be inclined to say you're going to save time and it's going to perform better. I don't think that there's going to be a trade-off if you do it well. And um, you'll you'll find that it's just going to become an essential part of your workflow. Very, very cool. So uh, Jasper, this is a question specific to Jasper, even though my previous question was broad for you know all AI. But do you guys sort of quote a number of just, or a range in saying that, hey, there could be productivity gains of... 30 to 50%. I'm just making that up, but just curious. Is that something yeah. you guys are saying, seeing from your. Yeah, we got one case study. One case study said they reduced their time to write one article from eight hours to two hours. So that'd wow. be a 400% savings in time. Um, and you can go to jasper.ai slash case studies to see a whole bunch of other outcomes. Uh -huh. And you can filter that by industry. So, for example, we helped the, the world's largest retailer. Uh, write thousands of product descriptions through programmatic uh, AI generated um, assistance. So wow. basically think about it like this. There's an upcoming seasonal, like let's say uh, Christmas, there's 3000 new product SKUs coming online to a website. They all need headlines, descriptions, and metadata. Maybe they maybe even need marketing copy to send traffic there as well. And so this, this e-com use case requires um, it to be factually accurate. Uh -huh. So it needs to reference the manufacturer's details. So database number one, it needs to uh, be 
it, it needs to match the style guide, like the, the way of writing that the retailer has outlined of, of what the standards of their writing are. And number three, it needs to perform. It needs to make money. It needs to get clicks. It needs to get ads to cart. So, you know, looking for an AI uh, focused, uh, a marketing focused AI company like Jasper, uh, all three of those. And then in a way in which the API can be used to fit the format uh -huh. of the e-commerce CMS. Okay. So what does, uh, what are the limitations of the headline, the limitation length talking about, do you want it in bullet point form for the description? Uh, is it a paragraph? And you kind of create a custom template there. Like a form. Uh, so exactly. And, you know, let's say that you would have a freelancer do this, or let's say that you had a, an internal team that worked the hard shift at doing this in long periods of time. Now you can get a technical team together and programmatically create thousands of these and then now have AI review. Uh, you have AI assistance in the creation, human review, and uh, that helps a ton. Um, yeah, and there's been some great outcomes from uh, from that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you were sort of helping, hopefully helping our listeners almost um, recognize the the value of what AI can do for productivity and, and quality and workflow. So uh, I certainly hope that the folks listening in are inspired by that and, you know, give it a go. So let's switch gears and talk a little bit about ethical and responsible use of AI. We hear a lot about that. Everyone generally seems to agree on AI should be really respecting privacy, intellectual property as a concept or IP is much more contentious with all the, you know, lawsuits that are happening right now. But from a strategic standpoint, how should businesses and marketing teams approach setting boundaries and what they will and won't use for AI or if they're using it, where they sort of draw the line? Um, and then sort of a follow-up question to, to that one is, how do you guys approach it inside of Jasper for your own marketing? Yeah. Yeah, so this is a hot topic for good reason. Um, we see headlines all the time of if you're using a free tool, uh, it may be being trained on the data um, it's being used, it's being inputted into. So if you are uh, using this at work rogue without oversight from the company, you might be giving it some, uh, there might be security risk there, right? Yeah. And so you want to, I think, number one, make sure that you're working with a SOC 2 compliant, very secure uh, uh, platform that does not train the large language models. And so uh, you can go into settings and make sure you turn off learning from your data. And just be aware of not putting any sensitive material into a free AI, right? Uh, this, don't put your credit card details in there, right? That should make common sense, yeah. but just don't, you know, and uh, go and look for, like, this is why you would want to look for a secure platform like Jasper uh, 
or in any enterprise level security platform that keeps your data um, from leaking into that large language model. Mm -hmm. So you, one, it's like every team member in your organization should be in a in, shared in the same environment in the same platform, not spread out across ho holding a whole bunch of their own accounts. You want it in one place. Secondly, you want um, to set up when we talk about uh, using AI effectively, the AI does not know about your brand, your products, your audiences by default. Like unless you're a huge company and you have a lot of public information out there, uh -huh. the AI might not know all the details, especially for product launches, especially for press releases, all that stuff is not uh -huh. going to know. So one method is that you season the chat and you upload all the information to the AI and then you ask it to create the emails or create the whatever. But what have you just done? You've given it information. So at Jasper, what we've done to uh, adapt to this is the information is secured as a knowledge base item. Uh -huh. That's something that we've coined that's secured in your account, your workspace. And so everybody in your team, you can get grant permissions to access this knowledge base item and it can be referenced upon writing. Mm. So it does not train the LLM. Um, but what happens is you can at attach basically as you would an email, attach this knowledge base item about, so we did this recently. Uh, Hey, we're announcing our, uh, we're welcoming a new CEO. Uh -huh. So Tim, uh, was the president of Dropbox and now is the, uh, C uh, CEO at Jasper. Now coming up and leading up to this event, we need to write blog posts, press release and all this stuff. So we attached the press relief brief, brief to Jasper. And now we say, Hey, Jasper, I'm going to click on the email, um, template. And so then it generates the email that's effective and all of the stuff that we've trained it on, but then has the knowledge reference of the news. Right. And then let's say we come out with a new product. So now we, uh, work with our engineers and we write out all the specs of our product. And then we attach that as a knowledge base item yeah. to the prompt. And now it has reference to it before it writes. Right. And so this is now secured in your space. We created a feature called spaces in which people can be added and knowledge base items can be added. Style guides can be set as the settings. Yeah. And what we find this is commonly used for is when a, an agency and a client work together inside of a secured space. And so all of the client details are uploaded in that secured space and they can collaborate on content together with AI. Got it. So I think it sounds like at the end of the day, having some sort of corporate protocol or company protocol of defining obviously outside of the common sense things, anything BII related or any intellectual property, not uploading that to any sort of public forum uh, or, or public LLMs and really looking for solutions that is able to keep that information secure and keep that information siloed from sort of leaking into the overall training data. And, and then really having kind of 
governance and training and all those good things around it to make sure that the people that are leveraging it are leveraging it in, in a true sort of enterprise sort of setup where there's, uh, you know, multiple users working off of the same trained information on your own brain, which I'm going to call context. So once the, yeah. the AI has that context and it's sort of not only is it serving you well, but you're sure that that context isn't kind of leaking out to the interweb, so to speak. Exactly. And, and my last note on this is looking for uh, interoperability, which means basically how do you not rely on a single large language model and instead your entire business has um, it doesn't have dependencies. Uh, it's not at risk of, let's say, like you intertwined one AI into all of your program. But if that one goes down, what's the backup plan? Um, and so in, in today's day and age, the rapid innovation of all of the models, you don't want to get locked in with just one AI. Yeah, not They are all so valuable and effective at different use cases. Yeah. So at Jasper, we work with many AIs, OpenAI, Google, Anthropic, and many more. Um, and we've also developed our own marketing large language model. And so all together, that's why you see Jasper's uh, reliability and uh, effectiveness is always on. And even when OpenAI has gone down, like Jasper's still running. And so... Uh, at any point in time, we're always refining the models and kind of making a mixology of the most effective ways to use AI as a category yeah. applied to marketing. Yeah. Um, you know, and so you have this like interoperability, this multi-model AI. Yeah. I mean, that's so cool. And I was going to say earlier, not, not to mention it also sort of insulates you from the corporate Game of Thrones style dramas that may be happening like we've seen at OpenAI recently. So uh, certainly should boost the confidence of all the marketers who are looking for a stable, reliable, you know, solution. So great. That was awesome. That was so um, insightful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I, I'm going to switch. We're, we're in the home stretch here. So I'm going to switch to two questions that I ask in all my podcasts, right? So the first one is I read yesterday on Ali K. Miller's LinkedIn post that global AI business adoption is still under 50% and we are still so, so early. And to our listeners who don't know who she is, she's an AI entrepreneur, she's formerly with Amazon uh, uh, machine language team with the IBM Watson team. And so really an influential voice in uh, in the AI world. But I was honestly surprised by that number that despite all that noise about AI that is happening right now, like you can run, you can't hide from AI, that that adoption number is so sort of low. And there's completely sort of net new adoption, but then there's also post-experimentation, like you quoted the number of 80% of the people never kind of make it beyond that. So what advice would you give marketers who are just beginning to explore or have explored and want to move up the chain uh, in terms of their maturity? How, what, what's your advice to them? Yeah. So 
I would find, um, how are you spending your time in a day? Where do you get blocked? And maybe AI could help unblock you. So for example, a few places that I've been blocked before that I now use AI to help me with. Um, I wanted some uh, custom rules for how our forms on our website would uh, work where it would only allow corporate emails and not free mail like Gmail. Uh, you had to be have at least 200 employees to submit this, this form. Um, and it validate the form uh, for non-spam emails, like real email addresses and all this, right? Yeah. So we have custom code. I'm no coder, okay? So here I tell the AI what I wanted, and it helped me write that HTML and CSS and made it uh, make the error states and all of this. And I'm like, hey, if it says this, if they have under 200 employees, I want an error message to say X, Y, and Z. Um, and so that's one way, like, as a non-technical person, uh -huh. I was able to solve something pretty technical. Um, I've also used it for helping me write advanced uh, Excel or Google Sheets formulas. Uh -huh. So I was like, hey, I'm looking to get a count of how many customers are in each one of these industries. And I had it scan like tens of thousands of rows and then just like figure out, hey, mapping only one co one company per industry, give me that count next to an industry and then create a graph. And it like, I don't know, I would have had to send my data engineers like uh, that request and said I was able to fulfill it on my own in like 20 minutes. Wow. Um, just kind of going back and forth with the AI in a chat. If it didn't work, I just say, hey, it didn't work. This is what happened. And then it corrected itself. Okay. So these are like ways I'm just like unblocking myself. Secondly, sometimes you might forget that it exists and you're just kind of used to the pattern of doing it yourself the old way. So I'd recommend adding the Jasper Chrome extension and then it just appears everywhere that you work, uh -huh. whether you're working in Salesforce or LinkedIn, or Gmail, or your, wherever you're writing, Jasper is like on the other side of your keyboard and it pops up with like a little uh, purple highlighter and it can help you improve sentences. It can, um, write the email based on just like a little set of directions. So I'll say, so I'll like write the gist, the facts of what I want to say. Uh -huh. And then I highlight it all. Now Jasper says, you know, I can rewrite this to make it more professional. I can do it in the tone of voice of X, Y, and Z. Um, and so that's been helpful for me uh -huh. to just like not forget to use AI and it just helps, helps my adoption curve. Nice. Um, and then I would say toy around with it on, for the fun things to do. Not like forget about productivity. Forget about like um, trying to make the logical ROI use case right now. Yep. And just have some fun. And just say, what can my creative brain come up with? And so um, whether you're writing stories, you're crafting narratives, uh, whether you're generating ideas, um, with mid journey or something like that. Like I recently was at an event in Atlanta where I was helping brand partnerships come together. Uh, and so like the McDonald's was there, uh, figuring out what 2025 happy meals, uh, they were going to come up with And in the room. You got Sonic the Hedgehog, you got Pokemon, you got Barbie, 
Um, then you got like Coca-Cola is there. And so they're all like here coming up with ideas. And so I'm in the room and I'm showing them all, Hey, let me bring this creative meeting right now to life. And I just generated some really cool imagery of like, and now all of this is hypothetical. Okay. What if right. there was a brunch with Barbie sponsored by Aperol spritz? It's never going to happen, but what if, right? And so you get like this pink Aperol spritz. Um, what if Six Flags Over Georgia had a Sonic the Hedgehog fast pass wow. where you get to skip the line like Sonic? And so it, it branded this whole campaign where like the little fast pass thing looked like a Sonic the Hedgehog. And then you get to skip the line. Um, you get red shoes when you walk in, like all this kind of stuff, right? Branding imagination and normally that would go through a creative team and take weeks to do and all of that right and i do it in seconds with mid-journey and it's not perfect all right it's like has all these limitations yeah but the gist of the idea really made everybody in the room go wow yeah like magic. and it's fun it was cool right it's so yeah. fun yeah i mean to me uh, i i joke about it but i've been you know, speaking of fun, I've been playing around with it with with dad jokes to try on my kids, and uh, I'm still I'm still yet to impress my teenage boys. But one of these days, I'm sure uh, AI is going to conquer that as well. Yeah, I was you know with some friends, and uh, we all like to come up with business ideas and fake products and stuff. And so, uh, like one of them is like, I I have uh, turf on my lawn, but I still have to pick up my dog's poop. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. So what if there was a like automated robot machine that would like, like a lawnmower that's automated, but instead it's like a poop picker upper. And so we just like use mid journey and like came up with prototypes of what it would look like and all that. And it's like, that's really cool. You can just like imagine it. And then within seconds you have a prototype Visualize and, it. You're, and you're asking, like you could even take that maybe to a chat AI and say, if you were to approach this problem, how would you do it? And now you start like really getting into nice. innovation and invention. Um, and, and this is where like, I'm just so excited for, uh, if we really zoom out, like the access for humanity to have a collaboration partner that has like really reduced all barriers to information and creativity uh -huh. and for just anybody to be able to online go to a free tool even and start to play with this. Like where will humanity be in 10 years from now? Wow. What amazing things will we have discovered? What new strides will we be able to, to hit in speed and performance? Um, it's just really cool to be alive at this moment in time. Absolutely. And that's a perfect segue into, into my last question. And Obviously, you're an AI optimist, but I've asked this question to so many people and I get very answers and non-answer answers as well. Um, and But if you were to look into your Austin crystal ball of AI in, in the next five years, you know, what is your prediction about marketing and how should marketers prepare for it? It's clear AI is not a fad and it's here to stay. Right now, we look at the landscape of generative AI, um, and a lot of the tools are segmented as far as mediums. So let's say you have a text-to-text -text tool like ChatGPT or Jasper. You have a text-to-image tool like MidJourney or Dolly. 
you have a um, uh, text to, to voice, you have um, of, uh, text to video, you have image to video, you have all of these like different transformations uh-huh. and ways in which AI is helping us. But they're all like different mo- uh, mediums, different providers. And I think that overall, there will be a roll up and uh, all the software tools that we use today will somehow intertwine these as features into their their platforms. Uh, we're already seeing, obviously, Salesforce and HubSpot and uh, every email tool and every customer success tool and all of the tools are all using generative AI to solve like micro features and improving upon them. Uh-huh. I think like there's yet to be an all-in-one tool, um, which is exciting. There will probably be one in five years. All these models are innovating so fast that the competition is pushing innovation and they're learning from each other. Teams are, are moving back and forth and all of this stuff. There's so much happening. So uh, clearly, if you're not using it, you better get on it. Um, get, get Experiment and know it's not perfect and know that it's going to get better. AI is the worst that will ever be right now. It's only getting better. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as like figure out how to use it, because I don't think that AI will replace your job, but I think that those using AI will win the jobs. Companies are not going to necessarily get replaced by AI, but the companies using AI will replace those that don't. Hmm. And so become competitive by using AI in your daily work. You're going to outpace the competition. You're going to save on your cost and you're going to break through creativity um, barriers by using AI in assistance with everybody's human creativity. So uh, my, my only encouragement is to get in there and tinker and just figure out what cool ways you can use it. Uh, once you figure out how to use it, become the champion in your company mm-hmm. for responsible and ethical use. Get your fellow colleagues on board. Make sure it's you know used in collaboration together. And then thirdly, uh, get finance board executives on board by showcasing them the effectiveness of it. There has to be a logical ROI at the end of the day to get board approval for a budget and all that. So you're going to like, just keep pushing it down the line. But yeah, I mean that that's what it's going to take. It's like at the end of five years, we're all going to be using AI and that's the clear path. Uh-huh. Get your personal use team use and then company use on board. Awesome. Words of wisdom. Austin, my friend, thank you very much. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for making time. Thank you for all all your thoughts and insights on AI and Jasper. And to our listeners, you know, thank you for tuning in. Stay inspired, stay innovative, keep embracing AI and get on board with the future of marketing. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for having me on. And if you have any questions, I'm on LinkedIn at Austin Distel. Thank you, Austin. Have a good one. You too.